Hello, welcome back to Hoops Crush, episode number 12. Today, as always, I'm joined with Eric, and we got quite a bit to talk about today. Of course, the last time we talked to you guys, it was uh, ahead of the matchup of Scoot versus Wimby. A trade has gone down since we last talked as well, and there was a report today about Darvin Ham and the Lakers. There's quite a bit I want to get into today with you, Eric, but before we go any further, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Did you have a good uh, New Year's? Do anything special? Yeah, uh, didn't really do too much. Uh, my New Year was whatever. Uh, just kind of the, these three holidays, I just didn't do anything too crazy. But hopefully next year will be better for me. Uh, but how about you? Yeah, I uh, had a pretty lame one. Uh, just waited till midnight with the family, then went right to bed because I had to <laughs> work at 6 a.m. on New Year's. Uh, so, yeah. Wasn't really out doing anything too crazy either. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, all I did too. I just go to bed as soon as I hit 12. I was like, oh yeah, 2024. Uh, so this is our first episode of 2024. And of course, the last time we did talk, uh, as I mentioned, we were playing or we were about to play the Spurs in back-to-back games where they beat us in the first one. Uh, but unfortunately, or, or yeah, and then we beat them in the second one uh, when Wimby rests. So obviously, Wimby Yama had a huge impact on the first game. Uh, you know, 30 points on her head. He played really good tonight as well against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, but the bright side of things here is uh, obviously Scoot uh, got to play a lot in these two games, and he looked really good in both of them, which obviously led us to a win in the second one uh, where his passing looked just absolutely phenomenal in the second one. Uh, what was your take on these two games against the San Antonio Spurs to start things off here? Well, obviously really disappointed in the first one, just uh... – got down by a lot and um i mean that'll be a theme outside of the second game um unfortunately these last four that we've played since our last episode uh have not gone great outside of the second one um but yeah really happy to see scoot um not only have a good game um or another good game but uh just some of the passes he made in these two games um in particular uh, were just really promising, and I thought that he was doing a much better job, especially in the second one, of setting up the offense and uh, running like a true point guard um, should play. And uh, yeah, some of the passes he made uh, in traffic and stuff, um, just just really impressive stuff. Yeah, I, I absolutely love seeing, uh, you know, just the development of Scoot because obviously, you know, the beginning things were a little rough, but uh, I feel like as of lately, it's been a lot better. You know, we've had so many injuries with guards. Simon sat out a couple games. Uh, Sharp obviously missed some time. Uh, but as you mentioned, we go to the next two games against the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks. I literally don't remember a single thing about the Suns game, and it's probably a good thing because it was didn't go very well at all. Uh, but, you know, obviously, also the Mavericks game, I was watching it, and uh, as I was watching it, I was like, you know what? I just decided to go do, go do chores around the house instead. I had it on <laughs> as background noise. So just Do absolute, not blame you. <laughs> yeah, it was just both games just not very good to watch, unfortunately, and that's just – it sucks, but – that's just kind of the theme of these other two games and how they were, unfortunately. Yeah, that was the good part about most of the season. I mean, early on, we got blown out by, I think, 43 or something to the Thunder. Uh, but for the most part, you know, even if we got down, we clawed our way back and made it at least interesting um, in most of the games. There are, of course, a few blowouts, but... Um, 
for for three of the last four games to just be complete blowout no shows by most of the team and just seemingly I don't know. It's it's frustrating because like the veterans don't seem like they're into it anymore. Um, the effort levels that were really good and keeping us in games earlier in the season seem to be waning a little bit. And uh, some of the players seem to just be going through the motions at, at this point. And, uh, you know, it could just be, yeah, players in and out of the lineup. They haven't had a lot of time playing with each other. Uh, Chauncey said in a, one of the post-game conferences recently that there hasn't been a lot of practice time. So um, maybe it's just a combination of all those things. Uh, but just really disappointed with uh, some of the effort levels in the past few games. And unfortunately, we get to go head to Dallas again tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I had the audacity to pick the Blazers and picks against the spread thinking we would make it a close game. And boy, was I wrong. Uh, Luca, once again, just, I mean, that guy is just on a whole nother level this season, by the way. Uh, Kyrie Irving also returns for the Mavericks. I don't know if he played a game before that. Was This was his return, right? I or did think he, play he played game? in Utah or something oh, the game okay. before ours, yeah. Yeah, it drops Luca drops forty one. Kyrie has uh twenty nine, and uh, Derek Lively did leave this game very early for the Mavericks though in the second half. Uh, so hopefully he'll be all right. I'm not sure if he's it's questionable for the next game. Okay. Uh, so yeah. So yeah, then we play Dallas again. Then we head to Brooklyn, whose uh, intent is to keep building around Mikael Bridges. Uh, so that's an interesting quote that came from Woj. And then we get to play the Knicks after that, who obviously just made a trade. Uh, you know, for OG and Anobi, which we will talk about here. But uh, is there anything you want to add about our beloved Blazers? I, I don't really have too much to say about them today because it's just been disappointing. Uh, I was really high on Ibu Baji coming in the draft, uh, so it was nice to see him play. Um, on Blazers Uprise, we had a ton of people last year always saying, they need to play Ibu Baji, they need to play him. And as big as big of a fan of his as I am, I didn't think he was ready to play at all last year. And then he didn't really look too good in summer league either to the point where the Blazers didn't bring him back on a two-way. And then it works out for them to do so after promoting Skylar Mays to the actual roster. So, um, it's nice to see him not only get in some NBA games because he didn't play a single minute last year, um, but to actually like do some positive things on the court. Um, I thought he did a really good job of setting some screens. And you can tell that if he can figure some stuff out, like not how to not foul as much and how to go vertical sometimes or um, – one of the toughest things for a young player is knowing when to block a shot or go for a block versus just staying and making it a difficult shot and just putting your arms up as high as you can with that long wingspan and just affecting shots without getting necessarily credited for a block. And so I think he's got a little bit of a learning curve still with that, um, but you can tell there's a skill set in there that could be useful as kind of a lob threat big slash defensive um, center 
And it's it's interesting because we haven't really had a lot of those guys in Portland. Um, so it'd be fun to see him develop. But uh, I don't know. It's He's still a really raw player and still has a long ways to go. So uh, would you be, are you higher on Duop Reith or Ibubaji then? Well, Baji is a lot younger, like six That's or seven true. years younger. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, Reith, Reith has been good. Uh, I, I don't mind Reith. I just, I don't know if he's like necessarily the long-term answer, backup center or whatever. Um, I do like his spacing of the floor. Um, I think that was key in opening up a lot of shots and getting Scoot um, going. I uh, feel like Wreath and Walker have a good combo thing going. Um, and I, I feel like they play well together. Um, but Wreath's been okay on defense, uh, better than I thought he would be. He's just not that like imposing, uh, quick, athletic, uh, lengthy front court player that we kind of need in that position with our um, guard lineups. And um, so maybe that changes our needs uh, eventually if we make moves and don't have Scoot Sharp and Anthony on the same roster. But as long as we do, I feel like we need uh, – like offense is, is nice, but it's more of a luxury with Wreath versus um, someone like Baji who could eventually be a, maybe like a Clint Capella type of defensive specialist. Um, I, I just think – I'm not saying Baji will turn into that, but those that's the kind of archetype we need to try and develop versus necessarily a, a big that's not great defensively but can can play offense. I think we have enough scoring on the team, despite how bad our offense has been. <laughs> I think eventually if everyone uh, maxes out to their or close to their ceilings, um, I, I don't think we need necessarily an offensive only big. Yeah, absolutely. If Baji could become that, that'd be absolutely amazing. But uh, we got a rare December trade in December, which is something we don't often get. OG Anobi is sent to the New York Knicks uh, for obviously. So it was OG Anobi going to the Knicks. You have also Chua and Malachi Flynn going over and RJ made it quickly in a Detroit second round pick, which is probably going to be the 31st pick, uh, you know, to the Raptors. So I kind of gave my thoughts on Twitter about the trade, but I haven't really been able to talk to you on, uh, you know, how you felt about the trade and, uh, how you liked it for either side, and then we could just kind of talk about it because, you know, talking about trades is something I love to talk about. So uh, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I had a lot of thoughts going through my head when I saw the trade. Uh, one of the first things that popped into my, my mind was, is, did Masai, like, do okay by waiting to trade OG, or did he give up a ton of value? Um we saw that with uh, Daryl Morey in ben, with Ben Simmons. Um, it seemed like the longer he waited, the worse offers he was going to get for Ben Simmons. And then all of a sudden, like Harden becomes available and it turns into like this perfect situation. Um, and I think, 
after that, just like thinking about that, like should they have taken multiple firsts instead or is quickly that good? Um, then my thoughts turn to New York. I, I feel like this is a, a huge upgrade for them. But at the same time, like I'm also not wanting to pay OG and Max, which might be what they have to do this summer. So I'm a little torn on whether they should have even gone for OG and it's going to kind of mess with their cap situation moving forward if they keep him. And if you lose him for nothing, um, that also isn't good. Um, It looks like all indications are that they have some sort of understanding that he'll be back after this year um but uh yeah so i i like it for the knicks and i i know quickly wasn't like a huge part of their team considering um you know how much brunson has the ball and all that um but like i also really like this for the raptors i think quickly's one of those guards that they've needed for a really long time can shoot off the off the dribble or catch and shoot um and they they haven't really had a dynamic guard like that for a while since. Uh, I mean, Van Vliet was okay um, in that regard, but uh, quickly is well, no pun intended. Quick, <laughs> um, and and they haven't really had like a speedy guard that can shoot and create shots and stuff like that. So um, it's been kind of fun watching them. Um, when it, where it hasn't really been enjoyable to watch them a lot in the past when you have a bunch of players that can't shoot. I mean, they, some of them can create and stuff, but when the spacing's bad, um, it doesn't really amount to a whole lot of wins. Um, so I, I think quickly is a really good addition for Toronto. And I think when all the dust settles after this long-winded answer about this whole trade, I think... Uh, Toronto is going to feel like they won this trade when quickly uh, looks like the best player that was moved here and they got additional assets. So um, as good as OG is, I I think Toronto is going to be very thankful that they made this trade and have quickly on their team. Yeah. So I was just shocked to see OG and the Raptors finally make it. Well, not OG necessarily, but the Raptors make the trade. I was like, man, they actually finally are, you know, going through with what they should be doing. <laughs> made took, a trade. Took a while for them to commit to something. But, uh, you know, after, you know, you know, allowing this trade to digest a little bit, I absolutely loved it for the Toronto Raptors. Of course, you know, as you mentioned, they maybe could have gotten three or four firsts that, you know, were rumored at times about that was offered for uh, OG Nanobi. But uh, getting him in quickly, and also even RJ, who obviously RJ has his problems. He's an okay player. Uh, but he's still, you know, on the same timeline along with Quickly and Scotty Barnes. So I loved that. And then getting the third, 31st pick in the draft, most likely. Uh, also really nice for Toronto. So I absolutely love this trade for Toronto. As far as the Knicks are concerned, I do wonder, like, obviously OG is going to resign because of the connection between his agent and uh, his, you know, obviously, you know, uh, Leon Rose or whatever being his father uh, but I do wonder how much this you know makes them better as far as competing in the Eastern Conference with the top dogs and I know they're still going to be big fish hunting uh, but it definitely concerns me if their package is going to be as attractive anymore for like per se Donovan Mitchell if he was available or whoever it may be like does you know Evan Fournier's salary and Quentin Grimes and 
uh detroit i think they have detroit's protected pick or something like that like i don't know if that's going to be the best package on the table when guys become available anymore you know having rj and Emmanuel menu quickly i think could have like boosted their package a little bit which is why i am concerned on what the next moves will be going forward i i feel like og is going to resign just because that connection alone and i'm sure the knicks felt like they had that, you know, in their back pockets. Like that's, you know, that's almost guaranteed he's going to resign, uh, and he wanted to be in New York. It sounds like so. Uh, Toronto absolutely loved the trade. They'll have to resign him in quickly, obviously, uh, obviously. But they needed to kind of a point guard going forward anyway uh, for the long term. Of course, they have Dennis Schroeder, who's been okay this uh, this season for them. But uh, quickly is a guy that fits perfectly next to Scotty Barnes for the future, uh, which is a you know a guy who's been waiting to break out in a lot of people's minds and obviously playing behind Jalen Brunson that maybe never is going to happen but now he has the keys in Toronto uh, at that point guard spot and uh, I think Toronto did did pretty good I think they get a guy and if you know if RJ never becomes anything uh, you know he'll always just be an okay player but Scott or Amanda quickly that's just such a great addition in my opinion for Toronto that uh, I think they did good I think you Jerry did really good in this trade so uh, shout out yeah. to the Raptors. Um, but do you think the Knicks have what it takes to go out there and get somebody with the assets they have left? Or do you think they made a mistake by going in on OG? I still think they have the assets because they have a Dallas pick um, this year. They have uh, the Detroit pick you mentioned. They have a Washington protected first in the future. They have um, a Milwaukee first rounder that's only top four protected. And then I think they have all their own future first. So that's like four extra first and all their all their own. So you could, in theory, still trade like seven or eight first. <laughs> and, and 48 is expiring and they have a couple other contracts they can maybe add. So I still think they're okay in that regard or they could make a move and... Uh, and still bring in someone if they overpay in terms of first. So yeah, I don't, I don't think it's that bad. It's just, it's going to be hard to match um, a higher salary without Barrett's contract. Um, but I, I think it's still doable. Uh, they do have pieces. They could always, um, if they really wanted to go for it, include like Mitchell Robinson's contract since he's out for the year or, um, you know, Josh Hart or someone like that could also be be flipped again. I know I feel bad for Josh because he he just wants to stay in one place, but um, I still think they could get a big trade done. But I actually think when it comes to Donovan Mitchell in particular, uh, as good as Mitchell is, and he's a fantastic player, I just I don't like the fit with him and Brunson. So if I was the Knicks, I'd probably save that treasure chest of picks and stuff for um more of a a forward or uh you know a shooting guard or someone that doesn't need to necessarily have the ball all the time uh, like brunson and mitchell both would need the ball more often than not to be their best versions so i i think i think they're still okay but i also agree that og uh doesn't necessarily put them in the conversation of some of the top tier teams in the east either but i think they're pretty comfortably uh i mean if you want to put like oak or uh boston and 
whether you want to put Milwaukee in there, I know they've been struggling. Um, and Philly is really good. Uh, I, I think New York is at worst fourth now after this trade. Um, I think they're going to solidify themselves in that fourth spot. Do you have, uh, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot. And I honestly, I don't even know a name. So if you don't either, outside of Donovan Mitchell, is there a guy that you think the Knicks should be looking at at the deadline? Jeremy Grant, maybe? <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's weird because it, like Barrett, uh, you touched upon this a little bit, but uh, I think he's gotten like super underrated because um, like people just, I don't know. It's almost like he was a meme, you know, like uh, people love to like make fun of him or whatever. I I don't, I didn't really get it, but um, like he's, he's not a terrible player. He's decent. Um, but now you put OG at that three and you're obviously better defensively. Um, and, and OG can do a lot of the same things on offense. So I don't think we'd lose a ton um, there. So, it, then it points to Julius Randle, who's been playing fantastic lately, which we'll get to later, and who's crushing it. Um, but, like, uh, I don't know if he's good enough to be a, a player on a winning team, like a championship team. So do you upgrade the four now uh, that you got your three? Um, I don't know, man. And then they have a bunch of guards still, like, DiVincenzo and Grimes, like you mentioned. Um, but I, so it's, it's hard to think of someone like what position do they go for? Do they go for a center? Hart and Stein's been playing. Maybe a center just yeah. because of Robinson being gone for the season. Yeah. I don't and Hart and Stein's been playing awesome. So I don't know if you want to mess with that too much. Um, but then again, like I said, their, their ceilings aren't necessarily championship level contenders even if all those players continue to play well so um i'm trying to think of someone who would become available uh i i wouldn't mind i i think levine fits a little better than um than mitchell does uh, i mean obviously levine isn't as good as mitchell uh but i think he would fit next to brunson a little better um and you might not have to give up nearly as much as you would uh, but I don't know if that's the type of player they'd be looking for um, so yeah it's, it's tough I don't necessarily have a name right off the top of the um, I mean I know they they could take chances on on other guys like and it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the with the Raptors with Siakam and stuff um, if he gets moved uh there, there could be some fallout there. Maybe you can become a third team in that trade and pick up someone that the Raptors don't necessarily want to take on. Uh, but now, the more I think about it, to bring this back to a Blazer tie-in, uh, you mentioned Jeremy Grant, but um, I actually think there's a lot of uh, smoke around Malcolm Brogdon being a good fit for the Knicks uh, now that they traded quickly. I think they still need someone who can handle the ball a little bit when Brunson's on the bench and also play alongside Brunson, not necessarily have to have the ball a lot. Uh, so I think uh, Brogdon might be a good fit for them. 
Um, I, I don't know how much they'd be willing to give up to get him, but uh, I definitely think uh, we, we saw those two teams trade last year with Hart going to the Knicks for basically a first-round pick. Um, could they do something similar again this year? Uh, I, I think that's something to look out for. Yeah, because their bench got obviously notably worse with quickly gone. So I actually don't mind the idea of Brogdon there. That I wasn't even something I considered. But yeah, I kind of like that for them. I don't know how interested they would be in Brogdon, but uh, having him as a six man in that on that team, and uh, if you need him to play with Brunson, I actually think they could. I, I actually like that a lot for them. So uh, you know, Knicks, you want to talk about Brogdon? Yeah. Similar to the Josh Hart thing. Um, you know, yeah. that'd be awesome. But. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about uh, that came from Shams today, um, that there is currently a growing disconnect between Darvin Ham and the Lakers locker room, stemming from disjointness around rotation and adjustments. Lakers have LeBron wants a coach replaced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's that's literally what I was thinking of because obviously they fired David Blatt, got Tyronn Lue after that. Um, he wanted Eric Spolstra fired when he was in Miami. <laughs> Um, yeah, is this an, is Darvin Ham going to be fired? And do you think I never thought I would see that coming, but, um, do you, you think it's possible? Uh, I do think it's possible. I think they're getting antsy. A lot of people, um, including their front office thought that this was going to be a team that was at least a home court advantage team. Um, so that three, four seed, um, you know, they they clawed their way through the playoffs as a lower seed last year. Um, but with all their additions, they played really well towards the end of the season after the trade deadline. And I think they thought that was going to continue into this season. And it just hasn't happened for them. So um, if they, they fired Vogel, uh, what, two years after he won a title. Um, so, I yeah, I wouldn't put it past them at all to fire Darvin Ham. And uh yeah, I mean, I don't know if I mean I've I've paid attention to the Lakers, but I, I haven't really watched Ham in particular like his schemes and stuff to see if that's really the issue or not. Um but I with the LeBron team I I would never put it past uh, the coach taking the fall for a team underperforming and then hoping another guy comes in. So, um, yeah, I think it's actually pretty likely that they just blame him and move on from him. Yeah, you know, I saw some Lakers fans lobbying for Doc Rivers uh, to oh, bring him geez. onto the team. So. Why, do, why would anyone <laughs> lobby for Doc Rivers? Yeah, I saw it too, but They're like, at this it doesn't point, mean it couldn't be any worse or whatever it may be, but right. <laughs> uh, yeah, they lost their last three. They're two and eight in their last 10. It feels like after the in-season tournament championship, the team is just, uh, I don't know. It hasn't gone as great. The uh, season didn't end with that. <laughs> yeah, it didn't end with that, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're a team that's probably going to be active at the deadline. LeBron's always pushing for, uh, you know, acquisitions at the deadline. Uh, so yeah. uh, whether it's Levine or they go get, uh, DeMar, who I don't think would be the greatest fit on that team anyway, but if they did, then maybe it's something like that. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, the Lakers, uh, it's interesting to see them because I thought they'd be really good this year as well, the way they played after the deadline. And I thought they had a lot of good role players that they would make it work. But, mm -hmm. unfortunately, it just 
hasn't happened for them. Uh, but is there? I, uh, I think that's. I think that's a team too that could be interested in Grant or Brogdon from the Blazers. Um, I still don't think Grant's getting moved, but um, I think they could be aggressive for players like that. I think both of them fit on the Lakers really well too, and are, could just basically be plugged and played and improve their roster pretty quickly. And they might be willing to give up uh, a good draft pick or something to do that. Um, Cause LeBron can opt out after this uh, season and uh, potentially um, leave. Uh, so do they have to placate him? Do they have to like fire him if he wants him fired? Do they have to make trades and give up future picks if if they are, are fearful that if they don't, he's going to bounce? Um, I, I don't know the answer to that, but um, it's it's definitely one of those uh, other teams that's going to be fascinating to watch. I still think the 76ers are the team to watch what they do, if they go for it this year or not, like we've talked about many times. But uh, there's a lot of teams with now less than five weeks until the trade deadline um, that we uh, are going to have to keep an eye on and could be major players here between now and then is that is one of those teams going to be brooklyn who very much intend <laughs> to still build around mikhail bridges despite i don't want to say he's been like terrible but he obviously hasn't been as good as last year right. uh but they've lost their last five and uh you know i don't know if building around Mikhail, building your <sighs> franchise around mikhail bridges the smartest idea i love mikhail bridges and i know you do too but I don't know if I could ever see him being the number one guy in a championship team. I think we can all agree with that. Uh, Second option would be the ceiling for me. And even that is pushing it. I feel like I think third, it would be the comfortable one I would see on Mikel. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, do you think it's just GM talk or, I mean, I know there's no incentive for them to actually be bad because they don't own their picks or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it does make sense to keep them. Uh, So I know there's been rumors about them maybe being in on Donovan Mitchell potentially. Uh, which, you know, I'm not really sure how much that upgrades him, but obviously Mitchell's a good player. Uh, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on Brooklyn's stage or status right now? Because I wanted to talk about them as well. I'm big on, uh, if you're looking at this from like a team like Portland's perspective, if they want veterans and are going to overpay to keep their team relevant or back in the playoff race, I say the same thing about like a team like Houston or something. If they uh, want to add another veteran to, because they're like hovering at the playoff picture, you know they they want to go for it. Um, so yeah, I would take advantage of that and uh, definitely help them achieve that because, um, yeah, like there's certain teams that just and and I don't get it with the Nets because they made the playoffs last year and all that. Um, so you wouldn't think that it's like a situation where you have to give up some of your future that you've built back after giving it up before. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think they are going to be dumb and like try to keep going with it. And um, I think the best course of action for them would be to, to try and keep adding young players Um you know, like Cam Thomas, uh, uh, 
the last few games aside where he hasn't made a single shot. Um, you know, he has shown some promise though, but like keep adding that way and just like recognize that you're not going to make a move to make this roster a championship contender right now. So if you try to make moves that thinking that that's your goal, um, I, I just, I don't think that's the right move, but it sounds like they are pretty serious about not going rebuild route or whatever. Um, and so I, th- I think they will trade for some veterans or more veterans than they already have and, and just keep trying to figure it out. Yeah, I think, I, I don't know. I feel like if they had their own picks, they would probably be more, ca- and this again, they could maybe still consider it, but Mikhail, yeah. I would think would be one of the most sought after players of the deadline. If he were on the table, I think they'd get a haul for him just because of, how good of a player he is as a three and D wing and the contract alone that too. So like, I would have to imagine he could go for a lot, but I also understand Brooklyn side of things where, uh, you know, there's no reason for them to want to be bad to bottom out there. They don't get any, you know, benefit off of that. That would benefit the Rockets more than it would them, obviously. So Brooklyn's in a tough spot, in my opinion, very tough spot. Uh, obviously the biggest thing is they gave their, they gave their whole franchise the you know, gave the keys to, Kevin Durant and Kyrie, and they ruined a lot of things there, and they have done a decent job of building things back up, but now they're in a tough spot, and uh, I'm curious to see what they do, uh, whether or not they do sell some pieces or buy on some pieces, but uh, they're in a tough spot, in my opinion. It's always weird to me when teams end up rebuilding when they make a big trade for someone, and I know it's not always the team's fault, but um, you saw this with, like, Houston. Uh they traded a bunch of picks to get Westbrook and um, kind of went all in on their roster back then. And then all of a sudden they're trading James Harden and are botting me out and really bad. And uh, it, I guess it works out sometimes if you don't have like pick swaps also. So like every other year, I guess you could be bad and, and do that. But um, a team like the Nets, I, I agree with you. It doesn't make sense for them to tank necessarily. So, um, yeah, just, but I don't know what you do either. I I would just think that, you know, you got some pick assets back and you, you kind of stockpiled your, your asset, uh, chest a little bit. Um, and, and just be happy that way. And, and keep adding players that you think could blossom. But yeah, I don't think, I don't, I just don't think they're going to do that. Yeah. It's going to be a very interesting deadline as we get closer, but I'm ready to move on to what, or go ahead. What, what do you think? Uh, do you think they're kicking themselves for not trading Mikhail when they could have gotten a haul for him over the summer? If we were truly offering the third overall pick, if that is true, and it may not have been, and uh, who knows if it was or not, and maybe you'd know, but I don't. Um, if we were truly offering the third overall pick, I think they're insane for not accepting it. I'm just saying. like, I think they're crazy for not accepting that. And I get you know, if they did take Scoot, he's had his struggles this year, but who's to say that maybe – being in Brooklyn right away. Maybe he's really good right away. Who knows? But I think they're insane for not taking that. And if it would have included Simons on top of that, because we would have had to match salary somehow, they're crazy if they didn't yeah. take that. That's all, I, that's all I'll say. Yeah, I don't think 
in my opinion, uh, based on stuff that, you know, I, I believe happened, uh, over the summer. I think every thing like that, that was talked about involving the third pick was all BS just mm-hmm. to show that they were trying, but nothing was available, but I don't think they actually ever offered the third pick in a trade and, uh, everything that said they did was just a smoke screen to try and salvage the public's opinion of their situation and all that. So that's how I believe it went down that none of these things were, um, even close to happening or offered and they used situations like uh you know they tried they maybe tried to get mikhail without giving up <laughs> their pick and simons uh but um when they tell them it's untouchable then they can float out a rumor that oh we tried to trade everything for him and uh they didn't want it because um they're brooklyn's not going to come out and say that's not true. Uh, we would have traded Mikhail for the third pick when yeah. <laughs> you know it's not available because then that screws up their relationship with him, right? Uh, so they can't say anything about that leak, and they other than uh, like we don't leak trade information or just some generic answer. So they can't piss off their players. So um, yeah, like I think I, I I believe that the third pick was never actually in play at all and the portland portland trailblazers had already decided that they were going to keep that pick and and hope it blossoms into a star and they were scared to death to trade it and have someone like scoop be a star on another team and then always having that over your uh your okay. legacy as a as a gm that you were the one who traded away scoot and uh, this superstar generational point guard to another team. So I don't think it was ever serious, but Brooklyn probably should have just rebuilt this summer and and done stuff like, like trading McHale um, because they could have gotten a lot for him. Still could, but maybe not quite as much. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to talk about this too much because obviously <laughs> thinking about it just <laughs> – Makes me mad because we all know that we got lied the, to a lot this summer as Blazers fans. And the funniest part about all this is someone like Anthony Simons, who I, I know we both love, he would be absolutely perfect on the Nets. And, yeah, he would be, and would be really good, especially if they kept uh, like Mikhail and Dorian Finney-Smith and players like that who could be really good defenders around him. Um, I, I just think he would he would be awesome on the nets right now. Um, but I don't think the Blazers are going to move him at all anytime soon. So, um, I think they kind of missed their opportunity of doing a Mikhail for Anthony swap. Um, I think that would have been a good trade as high as Mikhail's value was. Um, I I think a lot of these teams, um, around the league are going to wish they tried to get Anthony, uh maybe before he broke out or whatever because uh that guy's a really talented player absolutely are you ready to move on to the hoops crushing it yes so uh you kind of said one earlier that i was gonna say so i'll just go ahead and let you talk about him go all ahead. right so my first crushing it for this week was julius randall 
Uh, last four games, he's averaging 35 points per game, almost 10 rebounds, and has just uh, played really well. And uh, this team, the Knicks look uh, pretty good since uh, acquiring OG. The offense looked pretty solid. And, of course, uh, OG is going to provide a bump on their defense as well. Uh, real quick, shout out to Amenu Quickly for having a good game last night in Toronto, 25 points. So uh, that was just a bonus one that I had. But uh, mm-hmm. this team is currently on a three-game winning streak. Uh, Colin Sexton on the Utah Jazz has been uh, pretty solid for them. Uh, had 25 against Detroit the other night. Uh, only eight points against Dallas, though. But uh, obviously before that, 22, 26, and 20. Uh, he's been really solid for the Utah Jazz. Yeah, I think it's uh, finally starting to play like the eighth pick he was uh, a few years ago um had a couple of down years and then uh since he's been in utah he's mostly been coming off the bench until uh recently and then um i don't know kind of was an afterthought of that trade now that marketing broke out and everything um so it's nice to see him finally putting together a good season who is your next one uh, someone we've mentioned several times, or not several times, but a couple times. Uh, Got to mention him again, Terry Rozier, man. The last three games, averaging over 31 points per game and over seven assists and shooting 53.3% from the field and 46.2% from three. Continues to just put up monster numbers, uh, albeit on a bad Hornets team. But uh, I, I don't know what the Hornets are going to do with him. Uh, if I'm them, I'm taking advantage of his value right now and moving him. Uh, a lot of teams could use a scoring guard or some punch off the bench, um, but he's absolutely uh, proving that he's a capable starting point guard, and uh, that might be enough to make him untradeable in, in, the, in the Hornets' eyes, um, which I think would be a mistake. But uh, he's he's been playing fantastic for uh, several weeks now. Absolutely. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, my next one is someone we're familiar with. This team is currently on a four-game winning streak. Shout out to Mr. 3J CJ McCollum, who's been oh. pretty solid for the Pelicans. 24 points the other night uh, against the Minnesota Timberwolves and then uh, has been putting up uh, or he had 22 against LA and 22 against Utah. And they're on a Four-game winning streak at the moment, uh, the Pelicans are. So, uh, shout to C.J. McCollum. Uh, we're all very familiar with him. Of <laughs> yeah, good to see C.J. play well. And, uh, you know, Zion's been relatively healthy this year. Uh, uh, not necessarily in terms of, like, movements and stuff like that, but he's been playing in all the games and hasn't missed a bunch Uh at least so um good to see them have at least most of their pieces this year just kind of see how that how good that team is or how how much uh how good those players all fit together and stuff um they're they're definitely a team that could make some noise if they figure it out but they're also a team that feels like they could fall back into the play in or out of the picture altogether with how many good teams there are yeah, absolutely. I agree. All right. So uh, my next one, I'm just going to do like a kind of a combo because there was a game a couple nights ago between the Kings and the Magic. 
And there were a lot of uh, huge performances in this one. Uh, Malik Monk had 37, uh, but Bancaro had 43 points and is over averaging uh, 31.8 over his last four. Um, so he's been playing well. And then uh, DeMontis Sabonis, uh, you mentioned, I think that was last week, uh, the Andre Drummond 2020 game. Well, DeMontis Sabonis had 22 points, 23 rebounds, and 12 assists. So he had a 2020 triple-double. Uh, just an amazing performance from him. And uh, just crazy that uh, all three of those stat lines happened in the same game. Yeah, speaking of 2020 games, of course, Halliburton, uh, which uh, oh, not that I need to keep putting him on here because obviously <laughs> we know how good he is, but yeah. uh, 2020 game the other night against the Knicks, I believe it was. So mm-hmm. um, I think it was like 21 and 23 or something like that. I can't remember. But um, yeah, Halliburton, just an absolute stud. And uh, again, he don't need to be on here, but when you have a performance like that, I just kind of wanted to throw him on here. Absolutely. You know, uh <laughs> Speaking of people who don't deserve to be on here, but uh, Jokic, he hasn't had like the greatest uh, shooting season, but over his last three games, he's shooting 92.9%. Like, wow. he's only been, it's like 26 to 28 or something. <laughs> Jokic is a different breed, man. Yep. Uh, but that was my last one. So do you have anyone else? Anyone to yeah, I just had a couple more real quick. Uh, one is Jared Allen. Uh, oh, yeah. Averaging... 21 and 14 recently on 71% shooting from the field. So he's been really dominant on uh, both ends and has been playing well without Mobley in the lineup. And Garland's missed a bunch of games. And that Cavs team is actually playing uh, pretty decent right now with just Allen and Mitchell out of their big four. And then the other guy, uh, this is a first timer uh, for who's crushing it. Um, he came back from injury recently and the last three games is averaging 22.7 points per game and 11.7 rebounds shooting nearly 60% from the field. And that's the Atlanta Hawks, Jalen Johnson. Oh man. Jalen Johnson. Shout out Jalen Johnson. Yeah. He's, he's been said, pretty he's good. Been playing this awesome. That's yeah. someone that, uh, a lot of teams are going to wish that they would have made a run after because that guy can flat out play and he's he's been awesome um despite the hawks not being great this year i think they should uh make moves around keeping him not uh give him up in any trade package for like a siakam or anything yeah which i assume toronto is gonna try to pry him away but i hope Atlanta, you know doesn't give him up uh, which sounds like, you know, Atlanta will be moving Murray potentially, uh, which we'll see. Obviously, we've done enough trade talk today. But yeah. um, are you just ready to move on to Prospect Watch or you got anything sure. else that you yeah. want to add? All right, nope. let's go. All right, well, uh, I don't necessarily have a prospect this week because I went to uh, the Oregon State versus USC game on Saturday and uh nice. got to see two guys we've already mentioned here on the prospect of the week and that's isaiah collier and Bronny james got to see them live up oh, close awesome. just uh yes uh my daughter goes to Oregon state so we got to sit in the student section there wasn't a lot of people there because it was uh break so um there was a lot of people at school at the time so yeah it was really cool uh just a few thousand people there to uh, got to sit really close and watch him. Uh, Bronny 
was very impressive uh just like athletically um like his iq on the court uh just the way he moves um i'm i think i'm a lot higher than a lot of people are on him um he just he seemed like an athletic specimen like he he he's super quick uh his defensive instincts and lateral quickness are off the charts. Um, he can get to the rim and finish. Uh, he's, he's scary pressing in full court or getting out on the fast break. I think his jumper looked pretty fluid. Um, and uh, yeah, his passing. Uh, I mean, he is not his dad, but like he definitely had some of that rub off on him. I think he's a very creative and, and skillful passer. Um, so like all these things, I'm just like, man, this guy's really good. I keep thinking like we talked about last time we talked about him. Um, like if his last name wasn't James or if it wasn't LeBron's kid, if, if I would think the same of him um, or even like know who he is, because maybe he's not on USC or in a prominent, program or whatever but um yeah i just i kept thinking man this guy has it all except for one thing and that's i feel like he's like six one six two and i know he's listed at six three um but yeah he did seem kind of small in terms of height um but i think he can make up for it with all those other things i talked about um but yeah i, just, I don't know if he's gonna get kind of stuck as a tweener he's not quite a point guard but uh i don't think he's big enough to necessarily play a lot of other positions um but i think he is athletic and physical enough to maybe make it work at shooting guard um so that's real the only real question mark i have but i i was just really impressed by by his skill set and it was he's only been back for a couple weeks or been cleared to play for a couple weeks so um, that made it even more impressive in my mind. Was LeBron there? Probably not. LeBron wasn't there, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> the Lakers played that night. I was hoping when I looked at the schedule, I was like, "Oh, please say the Lakers don't play tonight because that would have been awesome." Yeah, but cool no, LeBron wasn't there. Oh, and then, um, yeah, like I said, Isaiah Collier also played in that game. Um, he's someone that earlier in the season I had pretty much behind Alex Sarr as my second rated player on my board i'm not really sure what to do with him he's been kind of struggling lately and he actually didn't play like the last six minutes or so of this game it was really weird hmm. just watching him on the bench uh, uh he's he seemed kind of mad that he wasn't going in he had his hand over his face a lot um he kept shaking his head and stuff uh not really pouting but like just like you could tell he wasn't happy um maybe questioning his decision to go to USC or something. Uh, but um, he had a lot of turnovers in the game. Um, a lot of them were because players like couldn't handle passes or whatever. Uh, but I saw him make some pretty high-level passes to, to cutting bigs, and uh, they just couldn't finish much, so he didn't have a lot of assists. But, um, but yeah, it's like, I don't know, it's weird. He he seems like he's really good. I feel like he had good ball handling. I uh, watched him warm up. His shot looks really good. Um, and like I said, his passing was good. 
Um, I think his defense is okay. Um, it, it just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be working right now at USC. And, and I don't know if that's just a product of that whole team. I mean, they got blown out by an Oregon state team. That's not, uh, the greatest doesn't really have a lot of high end talent. Um, but they obviously played a really good game and, uh, yeah, it's just I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with Collier, or if if it's just like his he's in the doghouse with his coach or what. But uh, just seems to be like a little bit of a funk right now. All unfortunate here for Isaiah Collier, but that's awesome. You got to go to that game, uh, uh, which by the way, uh, you know, this last week or so, or you know, because there was a lot of these bowl games on for college football, and as you guys, mm. you know, as you know, and most of you maybe know that. I don't. I didn't usually ever watch college sports at all, but I did actually spend a lot of time watching some college games. So, oh, did you? Yeah. So I wonder if I can, you know, transfer that also into college basketball because uh, I yeah, enjoyed watching. Uh, you know, obviously you had the playoffs on Monday, which uh, those were. You know, was both fun. the games were awesome. Yeah, yeah seeing. Um, so, yeah, if I could, uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna watch the Monday game as well. Uh, so yeah, I had a lot of fun watching some college football. Not gonna nice. lie. So I want to try to well, start you, watching college basketball too and get into college more because it's something I never really wanted to watch, but now I had a lot of fun. What about the NCAA tournament? Uh, I I never, you know, I always tell myself that like, hey, I'm gonna watch it because it's a lot of fun, but I don't ever really? do it. Yeah, it's weird. Oh man. Uh, yeah, I'm so, like I want to change that really badly because I just for whatever reason don't and i always tell yeah. myself you know march matches is crazy it's awesome but i just don't watch it and uh and i always tell myself i'm going to but hopefully this year wow. i can actually do it so yeah well at the very least fill out a bracket and then like follow along with your yeah, bracket and stuff that's always fun a lot. uh but yeah it's like it's so weird because college basketball it is some of the most boring <laughs> uh basketball to watch uh like a lot of teams their offense is just atrocious. No one can shoot and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, it can be like really tough to, to <laughs> scout and watch games sometimes. However, the first two days of the NCAA tournament are like one of my favorite two sports days of the year. And it's just awesome. You got games all day. A lot of them come down to the end. So there's intrigue and, and, uh, intensity and excitement and just the one and done um in a basketball setting is just it's crazy and can lead to to cool upsets and stuff so i would definitely force yourself to try and get into it at some point because i mean it's only two days um for the first two rounds if you want if you like it you can watch some of the other rounds uh but yeah those first two days it's just it's so fun and you have so many games coming down to the end and and uh it's just like one after another um so i definitely make make yourself watch it this year brady i do know that i did watch the kansas one of the kansas games last year in the ncaa yeah. tournament i know i did that because i remember watching grady yeah. dick uh in that tournament but uh mm -hmm. yeah but i definitely need to force you myself did, to watch it more you know watched them the year before when they won it all uh i think i did because they saw a baji right at that time uh yeah yeah, yeah they I, had a I think I, i'm pretty sure yeah. i did i'm pretty sure christian I did brown all that yeah yeah so um and i remember watching it one year when uh, i think i don't know if it was the final four or the finals but i remember this was when villanova and i might have told you this before but this was like when villanova had uh mikhail brunson and all of them and they just absolutely slammed 
Kansas, like just absolutely killed them. And I don't remember if it was the final four or the championship, but I just remember them blowing them out if I remember correctly, but that was years ago. I don't think they played Kansas in a championship, so it must have been before that. Yeah, I don't. I, I could be totally wrong too, but uh, if I remember correctly, I, I just remember. I I could be remembering wrong. I don't know, but uh, you know. Now most of those guys are together in New York. Yeah, and uh, all they need is Mikhail if they could ever make it happen, but Dude, probably won't. I love Mikhail so much in college. <laughs> like I, I didn't think he'd be a star like as good as he was last year, but. Um, I just thought he was going to be like the perfect complimentary piece. And at the time we had Dame and CJ, you know, and I was like, man, Mikhail would be so perfect at the oh, three man. next to those guys. And yeah, I was behind like Luca and I, I like Mo Bamba in that draft too. But like Mikhail was like my third, <laughs> like that's my guy. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for us uh, this episode, I believe. So unless you have anything else to add before we had sign off here. Uh, no, just hopefully the Blazers <laughs> get some wins coming up. Let's get some uh, revenge against Dallas. We, we saw five more games right on the road trip. So yeah. uh, still, by the time we talk next week, we'll still not have played another home game. So could be pretty brutal if they yeah. continue to play the way they are. And, uh, Oh, someone we haven't mentioned this stream yet is DeAndre Ayton uh, out again. Yeah, he hasn't been playing uh, at all. The next game against the Mavericks. So, um, still with that knee tendonitis uh, swelling. Um, apparently nothing structurally wrong with it, which is a good sign, I guess. But uh, still kind of frustrating that he's been out so long with um, knee pain and they can't really get it under control. Yeah, agreed. But I think that's going to do it for us at the end of this one. So thank you guys for watching. As always, peace out. Go Blazers.